certain gifts. And man, I wish you would have given me. Now, sometimes I think I wish you'd have given me the gift to be able to sing or to play the piano. You know? That one passed me by. But that's all right. Because we got other people that can. Amen? We all have different gifts that we can use for the kingdom of God. Amen? And that's what we want to do. We want to use our gifts. We want to do that. And I believe this church is a church that does. When we have so many people that do so many things, many things that we don't, many of you don't know about, many, a few things probably that I don't know about, about the, the giving nature and the serving nature of the people in this fellowship. And I just thank God for it, and I thank Him for it in prayer. I was praying here this week, right here in this spot. And that was one of the things that the Lord just laid on my heart, being thankful for the people who are willing to pick up the cause of Christ and carry it forward in this community. And I thank you for that today. I thank God for that, and I thank you for that today. Have I told you lately that I love you? All right, well, if I have, I'm telling you right now. I love you. I appreciate you. You are God's people, and we are a part of God's family. Amen? And I'm happy to be here this morning, and I want to share with you just a few thoughts today. And I'm going to read from a text in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. We're going to put it on the screens, and it says this. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, when Jesus said this at the table with his disciples, it was not a very short, it was a very short time from that point where two of the biggest events in human history were going to occur. One is, was the crucifixion, and the other is the resurrection. And as we come into Easter, I started thinking about this and this being a part of, uh, of that period of time. And I wanted to just share some thoughts about this that I had. And, and, and I was thinking about how Jesus would be at the table. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, I thought, is he asking? I mean, I was wondering at the time, were those guys thinking, is he asking, like, to be remembered? Like, Jesus, you've, you've been healing the sick. You've, you've raised from the dead. You've made blind see. You've, you, you've, you've made deaf hear. You've made lame walk. Of course we're going to remember you. How in the world can anybody forget something like that? Think about if something like that was going on in the powerful nature that Jesus' ministry was today. How can anybody forget that? Well, you know what? We do. And I, I think that I, I just I thought they were thinking that. I may think, think that I was thinking that. Remember, Jesus, how could we ever forget? How could we ever forget what he did for us? And in this moment, in this passage that Luke records here in in verse 19, I believe Jesus is demonstrating that he knew his disciples better than they knew themselves. I think he is also saying to us today through this scripture that he knows us better than we know ourselves. In fact, let's, let's just face it, sometimes in life, we all have a lapse in memory. Has anybody ever had a lapse in memory? All the time. <laughs> Some might accuse me in times in my life of maybe having a lapse in judgment. 
But, uh, but lapse in memory is something we probably all can relate to. It's probably happened before. I remember one time I went to the airport. I was working for a company, and we had been working for literally weeks on a big presentation that we were making to a very large company. And we were all flying in from various parts. In fact, some guys had come from Europe in the, in the company I worked for. And we were coming into this one place to make this presentation. And again, been working, 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 just exhausted. But we were ready. We were ready. And so we were going in to make this presentation. And everything that I needed to have in my part of the presentation was on my laptop computer. Now, remember, this wasn't the day like it is today where you have jump drives. We didn't have that. Um, you didn't have um, clouds, you know, where you could, like, if you forgot something, you can go up there in the cloud and, and get it, retrieve it, bring it back in. So I get to the airport, and I'm checking in, and I'm getting all my stuff ready, and I go in my briefcase to get my, my ticket and my ID and all that. And guess what wasn't in there? My laptop. Now, I'm telling you, folks, if I could put it and make you explain it the best I can about how important this was. <laughs> I got there, and I didn't have my laptop. There, I can't ever remember a time, there may have been one, where I had more anxiety, stress, fear. I, I was literally thinking that if I got out there and blew this thing, it's one of those things you might lose your job over. You know, I mean, I was, I was worried. It was, it, was, it, it was just all-consuming. So I'm not going to go into all the rest of the story of it except to say that when you have these things happen that occur in your life, whatever they are, it's, it can be stressful. There are things that happen to you in life, wherever they may be, if you forget your laptop or if some other event occurs, some curveball that may have been thrown your way, it creates stress. I think sometimes our lives, day to day, I felt like this, maybe you have, I feel like the walls are closing in on us. I've got a little illustration. Have you ever felt like that guy? Where it's like, man, I'm in this box. Can't get out. <laughs> and it seems like today the box was a little bit smaller than it was yesterday. The walls closing in. Sometimes it feels like that. And I think because of how busy we get in life, at least I speak for myself, and how, how, how rapid things go, that it can crowd out other things. I'll tell you one thing the busyness of my life crowds out. It crowds out the time to exercise like I want to. Anybody relate to that? Just time and things, it crowds it out. Hobbies. I used to play golf all the time. Well, all the time, but a lot. And I can, people tell me, when's the last time you played golf? Man, I don't even remember. And I'd like to play again. I don't want to play again. But the thing is, is that life has crowded that out. It's crowded out that hobby that I used to love so much. It was my favorite thing really to do actively is play golf. And, and it just, it, the, the time required to do it, it crowded it out. Whatever it might be, it could be that. It could also be time that maybe you like to read books or you're a, you're a reader and you like to read. And, and things happen, you just don't have as much time to do that. And, and, and I think life is like that. We, we get to a place where we are in this world of constant urgency. Does anybody understand when I say that what kind of world we live in is an urgent world that we live in? If you don't, let me give you an example. Fast food. You know, that's not been around forever. That's something that's happened. I mean, it's been a few decades now, but food used to just be food. That's fast food. Because I got to get it fast. I gotta, I, there's an urgency about it. What about online shopping? Does anybody remember the days when you had to go shop for something? 
You got in your car, you went to a store, you went and you bought something, and you came back. Right? You don't even have to leave. You, you literally do not ever have to leave your house if you didn't want to today. You can order groceries delivered, not by a friend, by the, by the people that do it. You can have groceries delivered. You can have your clothes delivered. You, can do, you do not have to leave your house if you didn't want to. Online shopping, that's urgency. I need it now. I need it. That's smartphones. I mean, do you know 10 years ago that the iPhone, it's a 10-year anniversary. I'm, I'm within a few months of it. That the iPhone and the smartphone revolution has only been around for 10 years? What do we do before that? Smartphones. Now, we had cell phones. Of course, there was a time we didn't have those. All of this is because things we can't wait to, when we had cell phones, we couldn't wait till we got home like we always used to. Everybody used to go pick up the phone and call somebody. It seemed to work pretty well, didn't it? Did I mean, our world, I mean, look at all the advances and the things that we did and how great our country was and all the things that happened. But now we don't have that. We, we have urgency attached to it. I remember this, this company, the same company I was working for, we had an annual meeting every year. And one of the themes of the annual meeting was, I'll never forget it. I felt like this, too, about the time we were preparing for that meeting. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. This was the theme of the meeting. For the, for if it was 2018, let's say, if we were coming into January, and hey, it's our annual meeting, we're setting out the theme for this year, and this is what it is. Bigger, better, faster, cheaper. That's not anything new. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? This is a few years ago. What they said was, what we did last year was very successful. Guys, look at this. We did great. We, I did the illustration here not that long ago. Upward and up and, up and to the right. When the graph's going up and to the right, it's good. We had a good year, guys. But guess what? That's not good enough. We want to do it bigger, better, faster, cheaper. And all I heard when they were saying that, when we were planning, this was the first meeting before we announced it to the whole company. We were in our planning meeting. They said, this is what the theme's going to be, bigger, better, faster, cheaper. And all I was thinking is, stress, 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 stress. I was thinking about, I'm going to have to figure out how to do what we did last year, working night and day, flying all around the place, coming home, working six days a week, 65, 70 hours a week, just killing it. And now you want me to do it bigger, better, faster, and cheaper? How in the world am I going to convince anybody of that? But we did. That was our thing. And I look like that. <laughs> I look like that guy. So, look, what's happened in this world, for whatever reason it is, if we have created, it has become, rather, a culture of urgency. It's become a culture of urgency, and that's developed a world of distractions. How many people have distractions that interrupt your day-to-day lives every week? I go into work sometimes, and I say, man, I've got to come. I'm coming in here, and we're going to get, didn't we, this last week? We're going to get all this stuff done today. Woo, let's go. It's in the morning. We're ready to go. And then it's the end of the day, and we're like, how in the world is this at 5 o'clock already? And you know you did a bunch of stuff, but it didn't seem like anything got done. <laughs> we're working hard. Distractions, though, come along during the day, and you have to respond to those. You have to deal with that. Part of that is technology. So I think all of these things, this this culture of urgency, this uh, world of distractions, it can create and maybe explain sometimes why we get so fearful, anxious, worried, stressed about things. Why many times in our lives we might feel like this guy. I, I think that can explain it, what's happened in the world. Not necessarily by our doing, but just this culture of urgency and a world of distractions.
It may help explain, too, why people in this world are motivated by things that have no eternal significance whatsoever. Not any at all. Motivated by money. Motivated by uh, status. Motivated by your title. I remember, again, I'll give you an example of this company I work at. They told me one day, they called me in and they said, hey, we're going to make you a vice president. I was like, really? That's pretty cool. I'm going to be the vice president. (laughs) That's nice. Until I found out there was a senior vice president. I was like, well, wait a minute. Who is that? So, yeah, and they're promoting me. He said, you're going to be vice president. And they're promoting me to senior vice president. I was like, well, okay, but, I mean, we do about the same thing. (laughs) In fact, I do most of your work for you. (laughs) Why are you the senior vice president? So I just thought about that for a little while, and I never got a straight answer on that. I guess just because they've been there longer, or maybe they had somebody else that they knew, and they said, hey, here's a good idea. Instead of me being vice president, make me senior vice president. Sounds better, right? And that's cool. I'm not, nothing wrong with people getting, you know, advancements in careers and all that. But I'm just saying there's always something that people are motivated by. Maybe it is your title, your status where you are in the community, what, where, what neighborhood you live in, what car you drive, what, what, what brand clothes you might be wearing. I think that maybe explains it. The way our, our world is, this, this urgency, this, this culture, this world of distractions, everything moving at the pace. And so I feel like I'm saying all that to say this, that I think that sometimes because of all of these things, we can easily forget that we are loved. That we are forgiven. That we are are people, if we have accepted Christ, if we are going to walk with Him in obedience, if we are going to try to grow in His what His what His instruction and His teachings are for our lives every day, if we're going to do that, that our future is in the hands of of an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, always-present, overarching the entire universe, awesome God. We can forget that if we're not careful. We can forget that because of all of these things that I'm talking about. We can just forget how loved we are, how forgiven we are, how amazing our future is in Him. think all of these things. Sometimes we just forget. We don't want to. It's not that we're doing it intentionally. It just happens because of things in life. So this is why the words, when he said what he said here, this is why those words are so important. Do this in remembrance of me. Saying, remember me. That's why they're so important. He wasn't trying to, Jesus wasn't trying to keep his legacy intact when he said that, by the way. He wasn't trying to cement his legacy and make sure people remembered him. I mean, he's not thinking, well, hopefully, you know, after all this stuff I've done to impact the world here and the great teaching and the miracles and all this, that that people will remember me. No, he knew at that moment, at that table with those 12, soon to be 11, he knew at that moment that there was going to come a day when every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He knew that then. He knew that at the time. It wasn't about trying to say, hey, make sure you remember me. He wasn't saying it for his benefit. Here's who he was saying it for. And I don't even necessarily think he was necessarily saying it for the 12. He was in an instructive way, I believe. I believe these words that he's saying to us, that, that he said this for the benefit of us today. 
remember me. Remember me. Not because I want to be fed by the fact that you remember me. Remember me because of how important it is. It's for our benefit. This Easter season, coming into Passion Week, I feel led for our family to do something different, to just remember, to remember what Jesus has done for us, what the Lord has done in our lives, where he's brought me from and where he's brought me to, what he's done in our family and our children and the, and the marriage that he's given. I'm talking for me now. I hope my wife would say the same thing. <laughs> that she'll be remembering him, thanking him, but just remembering all that God has done for me. I want to do that this Easter season. So we're going to do communion as a family in Passion Week every day. You know, we take communion here every so often. That's great. We're going to take communion every day. And, and I want to encourage you, you don't have to do that every for a week, or maybe you do it for a day, or, or maybe you do something else. I'll leave that up to you. But consider just this, as we come into Easter season, think about something particular that you can do to remember. And, and communion is a wonderful way to do that. That's what it's for. So as we as we do that, this, as our family, we're gonna, and again, just so you'll know, you don't have to have anything special. You can get grape juice and bread. It's not what it is. It's not a sanctified thing. It's it's that you're remembering him, and that's the and that's what we use as the elements to do that. So if you want to do that, that's fine. That's what we're going to do. You can take bread out of your loaf of bread. You can go get a piece of bread and break it. I think we're going to change it up a little bit. But the purpose of it is that we want it to be very, um, a very, a very uh, much a spiritual experience for us. No question about it. But it's not that we're eating bread and drinking juice, right? It's that we're remembering. That's what it is. That's what we want to do. We want to, as a family, remember this. So in a few moments, we're going to have the opportunity here in this church to do that. We're going to be able to, to experience communion, and, and we're going to, to do that together. And I want to just say a couple of things before we do that, and that's this. Communion should be and is, it is for me, and it should be for everyone, a very personal experience. When we take communion, we should take it seriously. We should think about it. And it should be a very personal experience. And I, and I believe the reason that's the case is because I believe that the cross of Jesus Christ is personal. The cross is personal. The cross is personal. What he did at the cross is personal. Because Jesus didn't die and do what he did for an ideology. He didn't do what he did for a flag or a country. He died for me. He did all that for me, and he did it for you, and that's personal. It doesn't matter if there was no one else. I, I absolutely know this. If there was no one else, and it's hard to use this as an example, but if there was no one else that was ever on this earth but just poor old Billy Register, and it was just me here, I know that my Savior would have done every single thing that he did because he loves me so much. He would have done it all just for me. Just for me. Not because I'm special. Not because I'm special. But because he loves me that much. That's personal. It should be personal. It is personal. And you know, it, the cross is personal. Because of sin. The cross 
us is personal because of sin, folks. There is sin in our lives. We talked about that a little bit last week. I mean, we all have sinned, Romans 3.23. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means it's all. I said it last week. I'll say it again for those of you that weren't here. That means, for all have sinned, that means, Pastor Bill, all have sinned. You're one of them. All have sinned, Pastor Billy, I'm one of them. All have sinned, that means all of us. We all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Here's what Romans 6.23 says. It says this. For the wages of sin is death. I know people don't like to talk about this part a lot, but we're going to at this church. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The cross is personal because of sin. It should be personal, at least, to all of us because of sin. Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But let me tell you, if that was the end of the story, if that's where I closed the book, we got a problem. We got a big problem, right? Guess what the rest of this verse says? But the free gift, the free gift, we don't earn it, we can't buy it, we can't do it through works. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the free gift. That's the gift you and I were praying about today, Mike. The free gift of eternal life. When we start looking at things that way, changes. Cross is personal. It's personal. And the reason it's personal is because God loves you as much as he loves me. He loves each and every one of us. And guess what? Because of that cross, no matter if we are sinners falling short of the glory of God, no matter if the wages of sin is death, God has given us a rescue plan. He's given us a rescue plan. That's why the cross is personal. So what he's asking us to do, I believe, is this. In this passage that we talked about today, in this Last Supper that we've heard so many times, he's just asking us to do one thing. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Through the culture of urgency and the world of distractions, remember me. Those things can cause our lives to get out of alignment. Anybody ever had a car out of alignment and it pulls and it doesn't stay where it needs to go? I think sometimes all of these distractions, all of these things, that are, it causes us to get out of alignment in our lives. But we can calibrate ourselves. We need to be recalibrated every once in a while. Don't you believe in our spiritual lives? Absolutely. That's why we come here together. That's why we should be in devotion and prayer every day. That's why we should exercise spiritual disciplines in our life. Because we need to calibrate ourselves. And when we calibrate ourselves to God's purposes, we can do that. One of the ways we can do it, I should say, not the only way. One of the ways that we can calibrate ourselves to God's purposes is by remembering Him. By remembering Him. When we forget to remember, and I know that's not exactly the best grammatic way to say it, but when we forget to remember... The little things that happen in our lives, the difficulties that we face, the challenges become magnified, inflated, amplified. They're much bigger than they really are when we're not remembering what Jesus did. So, let me tell you what happens when we do remember. When we remember, 
when we remember Jesus takes his rightful place, and I said rightful place, very important. He takes his rightful place in our lives. When we remember him, he takes his rightful place. And then the challenges of living, what he's going to be able to do when he's in his rightful place is he will put those challenges in the right order, and he will give us the right perspective on those. I'm not going to say they're going to all go away, the challenges. Some of them may. But what it does is it gets him in the right order and in the right perspective. And when you put him in his rightful place, nothing, and I say nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from his love. This is the word of God. It says this, Romans 8, 38. Am I convinced, I, and I am convinced that nothing, say nothing, can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons. Here's the good part. Listen to this. Neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. You see, look, when Jesus is in his rightful place in our lives, nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. Everything comes in a different perspective. Things start lining up in the right order. I'm not saying you won't have to deal with stuff. It's just going to be ordered. It's going to be a different perspective. I want Jesus to reside in his rightful place in my life. You know why? Because when I have that, I have everything. I have everything. There is not one single thing that I need or want if Jesus Christ has found his place in the rightful place in the order of my life and the things that are important to me. I'm telling you, what I'm preaching right there is truth. Nothing can separate me from that. Nothing can separate me from God's love and his plan if he's in his rightful place in my life. Not at all. Not one single thing can separate me. Not even my fears about today or my worries about tomorrow can separate me from that love. So look, message of communion is a powerful one. And it comes down to many things can be said, but what was up there just a moment ago? Remember me? I think Jesus is saying Remember me, because I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. He wouldn't have gone through everything he went through to just forgive us. And I'm telling you in my heart today, I feel there's somebody or maybe more than one person that needs to know that. Not just see it on a screen, but know it in your heart that he has not forgotten you. He didn't do all of that to leave you on the wayside. I'm going to say this, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, Easter, this season, it's not just on Sunday, April 1st, no matter where you've been, what you've done, who you are, anything, doesn't matter, Easter is for you. Easter is for you, and it's for me. Easter is not a day that we dress up. Easter is not a day that we hunt for eggs. We can. I'm not fine. Easter's not about the bunny. No. 
Easter is about the cross being personal for you and for me. Easter is for everybody. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the well-off. It's not for the smartest of the group or the whatever category you want to assign. Easter is for you and for me. It's for all of us. What Easter means. And that's the message of communion is that he wants us to remember him because he has not forgotten us. And here's the way you can remember. As our ushers get in place now, we're going to have them. And as our, our, we're going to play some music here as we get ready for communion. Think about this for a second. If Jesus was physically here in this room, I know he's here, his presence is here, amen? I may feel the presence of the Lord in this place today. I certainly do. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. His spirit is real and active and alive, and it is here today as we come corporately together to worship and honor and bring glory and lift up his name. But if he were here physically, present here, I, I think, and again, I, this is just me, but, but I honestly believe that he would come alongside of wherever you are, if you're sitting there, if you're standing here, and he'd come up, and I just think he'd whisper softly in your ear, and he'd say things like, are you, are you experiencing pain today from a broken relationship?
is ready. We're going to hand communion to everyone here, the elements. I want to let everyone know, as Pastor has said many times, our church, we practice an open communion. It's, there's not any uh, rules or regulation about it. I mean, we, we believe that it should be if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that's it. Don't believe you're part of this church. You don't have to be in uh, assemblies of God or denominationally. All of those things don't matter. And it's about remembering Him. And that's what we want to do today. So as these men are going to pass these elements out, I'm going to let our group sing.
Perspective changing, when your perspective changes, it allows you to come through the circumstances that you're facing more grace-filled, more Christ-like, stronger, more emboldened in your faith as you come through these circumstances. says he took the bread and he had given it to them. He gave thanks. He broke it. And gave it to them. This is my body. Just give it for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you. 